Um, how many of you like to put together puzzles? You like to put together puzzles? Lift up your hand. Now, I put this puzzle together. I like 500-piece puzzles. I don't like 1,000-piece puzzles. They're not my friend. I don't like 200-piece puzzles. They're too simple. But I like 500. That's about where my IQ can handle and where my mind can handle my attention span. Um, I usually start with the border of the puzzle. How many of you start with the border? Then I have these little trays that I picked up. And the little trays, what I'll do is I'll put like all the colors of red in. Then in another tray, maybe all the berries that I see berries. So I'm starting to separate out all these little brown roof edges. Put those in a little tray. So pretty soon you have them separated out, compartmentalize all the edge pieces. I'm putting together another puzzle now of the nativity uh, that I picked up recently. Now, before I go any further, I don't want your puzzles. I get so many people come to me, oh, Pastor, I've got a puzzle. I don't want your puzzle. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to be rude to you when you bring it to me. I'm going to just tell you flat out, I do not want your puzzle. Now, I'm not going to give you my puzzles, unless you want them, I'll give them, you know, but I, I don't want your puzzle. I've got a stack that I have to do, okay? So, anyway, but I was putting this together, and a thought came to me. Every piece of puzzle is like a day in your life. And I thought of that. Every piece is like a day in your life. So all of these different puzzle pieces represent a day of our life. Now I got right up in here, and this puzzle is not cut well. It must be a cheap puzzle. The cardboard's recycled from your house, and <laughs> it's made into a puzzle. And right up here, this was so hard to put in. I had to juke and jive and find out, and sometimes our days are like that. They don't fit well, do they? Something's happening that's got us out of step or out of sorts or out of rhythm, and we're just kind of like, what is up with that? We look at that and think, wow. But the fact is, we stay patient, and I actually didn't finish this puzzle for a couple of days after I should have already had it done. I went back, I took pieces apart, I put pieces back together, and finally it came together. All things work together for the good to those who love the Lord, who are called by Christ Jesus. Do you know that? That's a scripture. And so at the end of the day, you have this picture that is a picture of a bunch of days that I have lived, so to speak, that you have lived, and it creates the mosaic of our reality. I'm going to talk to you about what you do today and how it impacts you in your tomorrow. We have no question about the fact that if we plant corn in the spring, we're going to reap what in the fall? Say it. If we, reap, uh, if we sow grass in the spring, by midsummer we hope to have... We accept that in the natural law of things. Why is it then that we have question about the spiritual? When we sow into the spiritual faith, love, hope, all kinds of things of good deeds, etc., why is it that we should not expect a good harvest of that over here? Or, conversely, if in the spiritual realm we sow to all of the fleshly desires that lead us away from God and create disaster in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, why wouldn't we expect to receive a harvest over here that is really similar to what we planted over there? 
It's a natural law that we're going to look at, the universal principle of sowing and reaping, and how as we enter into 2023, we have the opportunity to do stuff that is positive over there, that is good over there. Our salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not our good works. But I'm talking about our day-to-day living in the reality of the faith we have in Christ. And how we live this so we might be able to help ourselves in our tomorrow. You realize you can help yourself tomorrow by doing what you do today. As a matter of fact, if you go rob a bank after a while, you're sowing the seed of prison. And we'll see you in our prison ministry in jail. But right here, the reality is if we sow into the Spirit those things that are good and right and helping other people and kind, somewhere along the way, as we keep casting our bread on the water, it's going to come back home to us in good ways. Now, Steve Jobs created the organization and company called Apple. And you've heard of Apple Computer. We use them. They're all around. Somewhere along the way, his company, though he had created it, grew so big and decided he no longer was a helper, an asset, and they fired him. They had the privilege, the right to do that, and so they fired him from his company. He went out and from that experience decided that he would do something else. So he created a company that is known as Pixar. Pixar became successful. Apple noticed this, Apple being much bigger, buys Pixar and then pulls them together and says to Steve Jobs, you come run both of them now, you're smarter than we are, why don't you just run both of them, you created them both. And that's what he did. Now, Steve Jobs is not our spiritual example, but I draw an application from that. Some of you this year are going to have some things that are going to happen to you that you don't anticipate that though you sow good, you're going to be coming over here and saying, why am I not reaping that right away? And the scripture would say to us that we're not necessarily going to reap immediately the things that we have sowed. But I want to say to you something else about Steve Jobs. You do not want to allow failure to define you or to defeat you in a long-term situation. Some of you already have some situations that are ongoing and they're continuing into 2023 that happened in 22 or 21 or 20 or somewhere in there, and you're dealing with that reality right now. What I'm saying to you is this. From this moment forward, do everything you can to invest positively into your future that you might be able to live the reality you prefer. Now, you have heard of the organization Habitat for Humanity, but did you know that Miller and Linda Fuller are the people that created Habitat for Humanity? They had a desire to create a company that would help people, an organization that would help people that were homeless or people that needed a home constructed or reconstructed, and they decided to do something about it. And did you know in 1976 they started that? They put together a board and an organization, and the reality is this, that They have helped 35 million people around the world either reconstruct their home or build a new home. And that is fantastic because some people sitting right around you in the chairs are part of Habitat for Humanity. Let's hear it for them. Now, if you attended some of the stores, you may have heard the bell ringers, if not this year, other years, standing at the doorway of some kind of store you may have gone to, and we know them to be Salvation Army. But did you know that William and Catherine Booth had an idea to help the poor who were very needy, very impoverished, and they decided to start something? And this is something that has lasted a long time. And this year in America, the estimation is that they have helped 
25 million Americans this year through the effort that they began at just a little thought, a little idea, a little practical kindness. And I think that is absolutely wonderful. My Utmost for His Highest is a devotional that many of us have read. I'm reading right now as my devotion for 2023. And while reading through some of the writings of that, Oswald Chambers was a young man who devoted his life to Christ. He became a missionary for some years. He attended a very conservative school and did some teaching there called God's Bible School in Cincinnati, Ohio. I have some friends that are there and part of that organization. He also worked with a YMCA. How many of you have ever been to a YMCA for anything? Just lift your hand. Most of us have. If you've ever been to YMCA, they started out as a Christian organization, right? He wrote devotions for three years of that, for them, and some of his writings that we read today are devotional writings that he wrote back then. He intended to do something, and he died about in his 40s as a younger guy, and he passed away, and he wasn't able to live a whole long life, but he made a difference because he planted the seed, and the harvest of that seed is still being a reality even in my own life today. Some of you like to listen to Southern Gospel music, and you've heard Bill Gaither or the Gaither Vocal Band. And you know of a guy named Mark Lowry. Mark's a Christian comedian and singer. He's a tremendous vocalist. Great harmony, pulls a group together. But what you may not know is that at 11 years old, while attending church, suffering from ADD, at the end of the church, a pastor said, any of you that want wisdom, the Bible says you could ask God for wisdom. Come forward, let's pray for wisdom. At 11 years old, he went forward, and he knelt down, and he prayed. And while he was there at the altar, he prayed, God, I want to live a meaningful life. And he said, God, I want to do something that outlasts me. That's a pretty profound prayer. Among the other things, he prayed as an 11-year-old kid, but he prayed it. At 26 years old, his pastor asked him to write a musical for the church, so he did, a Christmas musical. And after he had written that Christmas musical sometime after that, stirred by the thoughts he had during the musical, he wrote the song, Mary, Did You Know?, Mary, did you know, has been sung all around the world, really. It's been sung in many congregations, even here, over the Christmas season. And if you turn on XM or any kind of radio or any sort of Christmas music, you possibly and probably heard Mary, did you know? And something very interesting about that song. He said, I was in a store, and I was in that store, and while I was there, I saw several recording artists and their product that they were selling. Natalie Cole saying, Mary, did you know? Donny Osmond, Mary, did you know? All kinds of people have sung, Mary, did you know, and have recorded that. He said, while I was standing there experiencing the reality of this, the Lord spoke to me and said, do you remember the prayer you prayed at 11 years old? Gaither said, it's hard to crack into the traditions of Christmas with something new, but Mark Lowry did it with that particular song, and it celebrated its 30th year this year. The natural world, the spiritual world, all have the idea of sowing and reaping. And you can take that from a negative, ominous standpoint, or you can take that from a positive, promising standpoint, and you can begin to understand the benefits of all of that. The Apostle Paul, writing here in Galatians chapter 5, if you open your Bible to Galatians 5, you'll be where I am, you'll see in chapter 5 and then in chapter 6 what we need to understand today in our passage. Now, there are two outline inserts for my message in your bulletin. I want you to get them. One of them has for you the scripture that I'm getting ready to read out of Galatians chapter 5. He's going to talk about what I referred to a little bit ago, 
as the works of the flesh, that is a human desire that, that really is our base uh, desire to fulfill and satisfy those thirsts for things that are very much so of the world, we would say. And then there is a spiritual side that is the appetite we have to do the things that God would have designed us to do and would have for us in mind. So he starts out talking about how people will sow into the, uh, into the fleshly side of it. So listen to what he says in Galatians 5 and verse 19. I'm going to read from the message, Eugene Peterson's uh, translation of this, because it puts it in a, in a very current way, and I think you'll understand. And I'm going to tell you what, I think our church needs to hear this. This isn't filler, and I didn't just say, God, just give me something. I don't have nothing. God was really bringing this to my heart. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Our culture is sex saturated. Our culture is sex crazy. In the church, outside the church, in Hollywood, outside Hollywood, it is a part of our human existence and being. We have to watch it. And what that is talking about, I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to stop not on all of these, but I'm going to stop on that one. That is talking about sex with anyone, any kind of sex with anyone outside of the marriage relationship. That is what that's talking about. Group sex, individual sex, any kind of sex like that is what that is talking about. And in Leviticus, along about chapter 17, 18, or somewhere in there, it gives the basics for humanity and sexualization, how we ought to live. Then it says, stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Garbage in for what we take in with some of the stuff we see or, or do or whatever. Frenzy, joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. Have you ever met up with somebody that had just kind of empty, airy sort of pursuits or never really doing anything of any substance? The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Ultimate jealousy, isn't it? Ultimate narcissism. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Um, that's where we get the idea of witchcraft. Right there. It comes out of that type of drugs and right out of those, those types of words. Ugly parodies of community. I could go on, Paul says. This is the first time, or this isn't the first time I have warned you, he says. You know that. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. I didn't say it. He said it. I read it. That's what the scripture says. All right, but let's look on the positive side of this. But what happens when we live God's way? All right, look at what he says here. He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. So this is the harvest. Things like affection for other people, exuberance about life and serenity, just peace. You know, like last night I went to bed. I knew the new year had happened anyway, so I, I went to bed early too. I didn't care about seeing how many come in. So it's okay. They dropped the ball and no one got smashed. It's okay. So it's all good. But to be able to go to bed and to know that if I did not wake up, I'd wake up in heaven. That's peace. You can't get that any other way but Jesus. 
He's the one you're going to go meet. You want to make sure you have that peace. Have you opened your heart to Jesus? That's what this would say, right? Uh, affection toward others. To be able to love your neighbors, your enemies, even everyone around you, your coworkers, other people. A sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things like people. And then we find ourselves involved in loyal commitments. Um, you know, you're going to have an exit ramp in your relationship with anybody. You're going to have that. Nudge your neighbor and say, I'm going to have an exit ramp. But you don't have to take it. My best friend Bob and I were growing up. I mean, he was my bosom buddy best friend. He went to the Catholic Church. I went over to the Holiness Church. And there we were, two different worlds religiously. But we were bosom buddies, did everything together. From diaper age right on, we were best buds. And one day we had a fight, fist fight, wrestle fight, angry fight. He wanted to tear me up for tearing somebody else up doing something he didn't like. Oh, I was hurt that Bob didn't like me. But you know what happened after we got through with that? We got over it and we made up and we were good friends and I love Bob. Loyal commitments. You know, you can do that in other, anyway. Not needing to force our way, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Well, there it is. So there are four quick laws of sowing and reaping everybody participates in. In other words, you can look at this if you want to look at it as an investment, ROI. Return on investment. Some of you are into marketing, of, you know, or, or accounting, and some of you are into business, some of you are into investments. So you understand that. But you could also go R. You ready? If you're ready, say yes. R O E I, return on eternal investment. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt. You don't want to get to heaven and be bankrupt. So as a result of our relationship with Christ, here's some of the four laws that we understand. Every day you sow something. Every day you sow something. You'll reap what you sow, you'll reap more than you sow, and you'll reap later than you sow. But Kev, I sowed over here, and I, and I haven't reaped anything over here. Well, he put in verse 9 for you. Do not grow weary. You must wait. Then the harvest. It comes after a while. Now, from the insert, take the one that looks like this, please, from your bulletin. If you take this one, you're where I am. And it has there, in so many words, in that scrambling of words, it says, what seeds are you sowing? It has a box that has all the words there, basically, that we just read. Now, some of those words are very tough words to deal with, bad words to deal with. You don't want to deal with those words. Other words there are very good words. So you have like anger and you have love and all that kind of stuff. So what you want to do is you would know that when it talks about anger, it's talking about an unhealthy anger. It's not just talking about getting mad about the right thing, but an unhealthy anger. So what you want to do with the anger is put an X through that. Love, you want to circle that. Envy, an X through that. Faithfulness, circle that. Selfishness, an X through that. So go through and X all those things you want to move away from this year and put a circle around all those things you want to move toward in 2023. And God can help you begin to do that because the reason I know he can help you is because really that is the fruit of the Spirit or the graces of the Spirit and his Holy Spirit living in you will help you begin to process those things and begin to help you uh, live out those things every day in your life. That's just how he works. That's how it rolls. So let's look real quickly. I want you to listen fast at the two greater thoughts that I want to share with you. Number one, we make choices based on our values. You make choices based on your value. Choices to do good or choices to do bad. You make those choices. Many people, when they're trying to figure it all out and live with their sea legs, they'll say, I'm just not happy. I'm just not happy. That doesn't make me happy. I want to wait and see. I want to do whatever makes me happy. You ever met somebody like that? 
Oh, in the Midwest, they have a few of those people. And out here, they might have a few of those people. In the world where you live, they might have a few of those people. But I just want to say something to you. You have to choose what is right, even if it doesn't always make you happy. (laughs) All right? We're not looking for instant gratification all the time. We're looking for what is right. When I was a little kid in grade school, they had a magazine called Highlighters, Highlights Magazine. Any of you remember the Highlight Magazine? See some heads bobbing. Uh, you, you know what I'm talking about. Hi. Now, you remember reading through there? My mom and dad always got me that magazine. They didn't give me every magazine. They got me that magazine. Because in that magazine, I guess there's something I needed. Because the teacher would get it and said, yeah, let's look at that. And then she opened up and there was a little comic type drawing of who was it? Two guys, Goofus and Gallant. You remember that? Goofus was always doing the wrong thing. Gallant was always doing the right thing. And so the object lesson, of course, is do the right thing. Be Gallant. Don't be Goofus. Max Lucado says it another way, and I quoted it to you before. I want you to write it down in your mind, if not in your heart, because this is right when we say this ad. I'm just not happy with doing it. That make me happy. Your happiness isn't the goal. Christianity doesn't always make you happy. Life doesn't always make you happy. Living in the flesh doesn't always make you happy. Happiness is a choice. Max Lucado writes this. God is more interested in your holiness, being like him, that's what he's saying, than your happiness. That's good stuff. So each day is filled with choices. You get to make those, and it is a piece of puzzle you add to your greater puzzle. That's just how it works. Each day then becomes a fresh start. Mary didn't all of a sudden wake up one day, and God says, oh, by the way, you're going you're gonna to be the Messiah. Mom. Nope. You know what the Bible said? She was a righteous, virtuous person. She managed her decisions, and then she reaped a grand harvest. You know, we like the story of Goliath. You remember the story of Goliath, David and Goliath? <laughs> David comes on, first thing that enters Goliath's mind, and down he went. Boom, dead. We get excited about that, but you know what the reality is? It didn't just happen that day. He sowed the seed. He said, I've killed a, go- I've killed a uh, lion, and I've killed a bear. That was warm-up. Now I'm going for the big dog. I'm going to take care of you now. You see what I mean? So it's, it, it's that law of this. It's what, what we're talking about. Each day is a fresh start. And today you're sowing some action. You're sowing an investment in your life saying, I want to live for God. I want to do for God. I want to be for God. I want whatever God has in mind for me. I want to hear from God. I want to sense God today. And that's what we said when we gathered here, right? And, and so we, we are gathered in his presence because we want a good harvest with this. Now, I want to ask you, how many of you like to shop at Hobby Lobby? Anybody like to shop at Hobby Lobby? Oh, yeah, I got witnesses all over the house today. People like to shop at Hobby Lobby. I like to shop at Hobby Lobby. From time to time, I go to Hobby Lobby. That's where I get puzzles like this. Hobby to the lobby. I like to go there. All right, if you go back into 1986, Hobby Lobby was more or less, you know, maybe more of a Midwest type thing. And you've got David Green, the owner, multimillionaire, running this business. He is, he's invented Hobby Lobby. I wish he'd put one in the old Kmart over here. But anyway, in half of it and the other half tractor supply. I got that figured out for them. They don't have to think about that. <laughs> if you remember back in the 80s, way back there when they invented fire and the wheel, you remember in the 80s? If you go back there into the 80s, 1986, the oil industry was all kinds of businesses were going under. David Green has Hobby Lobby, a dream. He's in the middle of his life. He's thinking, man, I want God, come on, do something about it. You know what he did? Here's what he did. 
He went into his office, got down on his knees, got under his desk, and that became his prayer place, got under his desk. Now, in his own words, he said, oh, I had prayed before, but today I prayed. And his family cites that moment as a turning point for Hobby Lobby when they became blessed by God in a beautiful way and became the empire that they have become. Surviving all the economic downturn and all of that kind of stuff. Some of you today might want to give your business to God. You might want to give your company to God. My sister worked at a company where she, she knew it was a bit fragile, whether they would even stay in business. She had been there a long time, wasn't ready for retirement. I talked to her about praying and doing the Daniel fast, and so she did. And she said, we started getting some orders. And the company stayed in business long enough till she was able to retire. It's a beautiful thing. God does take care of us in beautiful ways. And he knows how to take care of you today, however he'll do that. Now, there's a second thought real quick. Your choices today affect your outcomes tomorrow. I've already talked about this a little bit in my introduction, but success or failure, they, they do that. Now, there are the extreme situations of life where God allows us to go through something that we haven't signed up for. We didn't sow the seeds for the decision of someone else impacted us. Example, Job was living a righteous life, doing great things, and then Job ended up having nothing but heartache for a long time. But then eventually he came into good time. I don't know how long you're going to have to wait until you get your reward, but let me say this. The scripture says in Psalm 126, those that sow in tears will reap in joy. And the Lord has promised us a gift of eternal life at the end. So this much I know, even if you're going through a laboring life of sadness and hard decisions and everything seems to just be burdened in your life, one of these days, the Bible says God will wipe away all tears from your eyes, He will make all things new, and He will give you a new body, and He will create a reward system for you that is going to honor you when you get into heaven. He has already said He is going to do that. So I don't know how and when God's going to reward you. He doesn't always pay you on Friday. He doesn't always pay you back with just exactly like if you gave $10 to the church, you're going to come over here and get $100 all of a sudden. I don't know how He always does that, but in some way, he's going to do the equivalent of whatever it is that we did. Now, watch this. This is important to think about. Each decision we make adds up to the overall who we are. Now, we had the opportunity to have a bodybuilder stay with us for a few uh, days uh, with his family, and James is his name. And James came here, and uh, he's a bodybuilder, and he, he participates in competition. So he has big arms, big legs, strategic muscles just rippled and chiseled and everything. Now, I noticed something about him. James didn't eat everything that all the rest of us did. Uh, his sleep patterns were very predictable. He would go to bed at a certain time, get up at a certain time. When he would go to his exercise routines with his instructor, his coach, he would have certain weights that he would lift today, and then tomorrow he would have a certain separate kind of weights he would live then, bodybuilding. So then he would go to the competitions and he would be evaluated based on whatever he was able to do that they were asking him to do. Now the coach kept coaching him toward things that were hard for him to do. The lifting of certain weights, the pulling of this, the pushing of that, the don't do this, the do this, and everything else. And so it helped him prepare for the moment whenever he would experience this. Now, I've had the opportunity to listen to a number of athletes like you have who have given a report on their life. And so listening to those athletes give a report on their life, I can't remember who it was, 
uh, but not that long ago, in the last couple of years, I heard a guy standing on a winning uh, podium, if you will, and they asked him, are you surprised to be here? And you know what he said? I'm not surprised to be here. And I thought, well, you sound arrogant. And then he explained, when I was a little kid, I dreamed of being here. When I was going through my teen years, I started planning and preparing for this. When I went into college, they began to develop me in these ways, and my coaches helped me to develop. God gave me the ability, I developed the ability, those around me helped me, and I'm not one bit surprised to be standing where I'm standing today. One of these days when we stand in the presence of God, it's not our own merit. But because he has chosen to come to earth and suffer and die on the cross, resurrect from the dead, and he has said, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He says, if you confess your sin, I'll be faithful and just forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And because we have trusted in that, it should not be a surprise when we wake up in heaven. How did I get here? Nope. I got here because I trusted the shed blood of Christ, the resurrection of Christ is my Savior. He promised, He said, and He has provided. He is Lord. This is powerful. So it shouldn't be a surprise that some of you have come through 2022 and you feel good about it. I feel good about my 2022. I live with my nose clean. I live with my life walking in the faith, walking in the light as He is in the light. I've had fellowship one with another with Christ. His blood has residually cleansed me from all unrighteousness. Was I perfect? No. Could I have done a few things differently? Yes. That isn't the point. I'm a human. But the fact of the matter is, my intent has always been to follow what He wants me to do. And in doing that, you can stand in victory. And that's what I want for every one of us. And that's what so many here do. And you inspire me and I hopefully inspire you a bit. And you inspire someone else sitting right around you. And it's a beautiful thing that we can inspire one another because we are surrounded by a bunch of people that are on their way. But let me tell you this. Everybody around us didn't grow up with some of the same advantages you did. Some people are walking into church for the very first time. They don't know anything about the faith. They don't have a Bible. They haven't read a Bible. They didn't have good teaching growing up. They did not have the things that you have, but they are coming in here. And so they not, may not know what you know. They may not understand what you understand. Be patient with one another. Don't judge one another. Encourage one another. Help one another. I used to wonder how my grandpa Boone could be such a great encourager. And I said, God, when he died, let his mantle fall on me. Let his mantle fall on me. 1979, 14 years old. And I see now, all these years later, how he encouraged people because he knew life was hard. And he knew there were choices and opportunities to go be stupid. And he had a grown man who was an incredible salesperson that had grown up in the church my grandpa had been in. And he said, Kevin, when nobody else in my church encouraged me, you know who did? Your grandpa. He would come over to me and say, hey, how did you do this week? How was your wrestling this week? How's it going? God has good things for you. I believe in you. I'm on your team, man. Let's go. He said he would do that week after week, and he kept investing in me. He said he was one of the very few people in my life that did it, and he said, I'm standing here with Christ today, and I'm standing here before you telling you, your grandpa is one of the very reasons I'm standing here. And I said, wow, that's the kind of seed I want to sow in as many people as I possibly can for as long as I live to encourage them on the way. So if you ever get encouraged and inspired, just know it was on purpose. Good grief. I want you to win. I want you to win. Now take your bulletin insert there that says Daily Dozen. Would you do that? It's got that blue header at the top. All right. Now there are a lot of people that have this in their life, and you probably have your own. 
So the reason I'm sharing this, he's made this very public, and I, I had access to it, so I'm sharing it with you. Um, I've had the opportunity to be with John Maxwell a couple times in conferences where he spoke. Uh, he's way ahead of where I am. And I also had the opportunity to have lunch with him a couple of times. He probably wouldn't even remember my name. But he's one of those guys that I have been inspired by, and one of those guys in leadership, I've trained others with some of his stuff, and he has inspired many. And he has been a fellow who, who uh, was a pastor, was at his church in Skyline whenever he was there in California, in San Diego. And now he is uh, involved in corporate leadership development. And so he will, he will help uh, companies, large company organizations, have their leaders come together like Sam's Wholesale. He will be there to give them um, career instruction about next level and moving to leadership levels. And also something else that he, that he does that I think is interesting, he also does this for professional basketball organizations. And, and so he's into that and he goes around the world, okay? And one of the things I've liked about John, though he is not a perfect man, he is not Jesus and all of that, one of the things I've liked is morally he has kept his life intact. That means a lot, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. Look at the 12 and this dozen thing that he has. Every morning he gets up, he says, and he was starting with this. He's used this to manage his life. Attitude, priorities, health, family, thinking, commitments, relationship, faith, finances, generosity, values, and growth. And he's used these and they have helped guide him to experience what's happened. So if you'd ask John Maxwell, are you surprised that God is using you over there? On the one hand, of course, yes, we all are, because we're just thinking, wow, I know who I am, and I know what I've done, and I know what he's done. But on the other hand, we'd say no. He says this at leadership conferences. People come up to him and say, John, I want to do what you're doing. And he'll say, well, do you want to do what I did to get where I am to do what I'm doing? Just a question that you would ask yourself. Uh, some of my friends from Missouri will come and see us sometimes and, and um, they'll see our ministry here and most of my friends pastor in churches that are quite small. This church is not massive, but this church is not small. And they'll come here and say, wow, uh-huh. Personally, I knew this was in me since I was a kid. I just didn't know where it was going to be and when it was going to happen, but I knew it was in me since I was a kid. And God opened doors, and I developed where I had to develop to be able to do what God has called me to do today. Now, Dan Seaborn was a pastor uh, at, uh, for student ministries and young adults, and the phrase became popular, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You have a bracelet you received on your way in, I'm wearing one on my wrist right now, and uh, this WWJD, Dan uh, helped produce this whole idea of bracelets that, to get that going. He'll be here at our marriage conference in a couple of months. I encourage you to be here. I plan to be. He just, he's a great communicator. As you go through this year, if you take the message I've just delivered to you and boil it down to just one thing you could take home today, this is it. This is it. You're going to watch that movie, WWJD. You're going to take that job, WWJD. Going to sell your house, relocate, WWJD. Going to date whoever, WWJD. This is good. Nobody's running the aisles and shouting me down, but this is good. This is real good. Because you do this in your life, you take this with you everywhere you go and all around the world. Let me tell you something, it will change the direction for some and it will just secure the direction for those many, many people here who are walking in the light as he is in the light and having fellowship with God. And you know what? You can do this. Here's how. You start from today. 
You can do nothing about yesterday. Just give it to God, confess sin, all that, remove away from it. And on that list of things, just begin to follow the good, the right, the way he wants you to do. Now, I don't quote Tim Keller that much, but I want to I give you a quote from a devotional. It was a prayer he tagged at the end of it. Look at it. It's, it's coming up for you there in your bulletin. Should should be. Lord, don't just make me obedient to your word. That's talking about the Bible. But also make me wise, knowing the right thing to do in the myriad life situations to which the Bible's rules don't directly speak. Let me grow in wisdom, judgment, and prudence and give me the humility prerequisite for them all. Amen. Lord, you know how you're going to use this message in our lives today. You know what 2023 brings. It may be a great windfall year for some. might be a real challenge for others, but you know all the story. So I pray that we would control what we can, and that is the direction of our heart and the direction of our life. To walk in the way you want us to walk, to move in the way you want us to move, and to be the person you want us to be. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for first loving us, for dying on the cross, for letting us trust in you, for resurrecting from the dead to provide life, life eternal. In Jesus' name, amen.